All right. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us at uh, IGY6. Uh, I got your sick for all the new listeners. Uh, today, we're joined with Ian Morrison and Casey and uh, special guest Eric Young. How's it going? So uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, queuing in. And uh, just want to point this out. Uh, we have 55 listeners already, so it's uh, really good. I'm really happy about that. Thank you for the love and support. Eric, uh, yes, I want to start off with you. Yeah, sure. buddy. Um, it's been a while. Eric, uh, Eric, I want to actually know a little bit of uh, your background, just because a lot of the listeners don't, uh, uh, well, they don't know who you are. So I want to make sure that uh, you introduce yourself a little bit. Just give us a, a little bit of your background. For sure. I'm Eric Young on Facebook and Big Hearted Viking on Instagram, if you want to look me up. Um, I grew up in Montreal. It was actually... My parents were living in Verdun, where I'm kind of staying now, which is kind of a fun full circle. Uh, moved to Ottawa when I was 10, and then uh, kind of hung out there for 20 years. I lived in Petawawa before we deployed, and I've been to BC a bunch. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Ottawa. That's that's about it, really. All right, yeah. Listen, um, we're probably going to need a little bit more backstory than that, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want to know? No, so uh, for everybody else that's listening, just to give you guys a little uh, uh, kind of a backstory, uh, Eric and I uh, served on tour back in 2010. Uh, we we're part of um, a unit called uh, One One Foxtrot, and uh, yeah, we've uh, we've we've gone a long we've gone a long way. Actually, it's um, it's actually after Dan and Ian's time uh, that I served with them. Uh, so Eric was kind of. Uh, my backbone overseas and uh yeah, yeah we were definitely yeah man i want I, that's why i wanted you to be on this podcast and uh formally introduce you here just because um i think it's important for others to kind of uh to see your point of view um yeah, yeah mostly like, because you're you're uh reservist at, at one point there as an mp and then say, um yeah. Yeah, you moved on to, uh, you went to overseas as a reservist MP, you got out, you got back in, uh, yep. and then you went as a rec force, right? Yeah, and I drove, uh, I was driving the Minister of Defense for a while too, that was a contract I did, so I've, I've done a few different fun jobs with Jeremy. Um, I was, uh, something like that, um, how do you get into something like that, for driving the, driving well, around? Like, like you said, I started my military career as a reservist. So it's, for those of you that don't know, a reservist is kind of like part-time army where you do one weekend or one weekend a month, <clears> one, <throat> night, one night a week, you go out and, um, you know, you, don't, you do all sorts of different things, but you're always training. As a reservist, the whole idea is to keep you uh, green. Like in the army, you can be green, yellow, red. And it's just like, if you're green, you can deploy at any time. So the reserve, the whole reserve world, the idea is just to keep them all green, keep them trained, and then just fill in the positions when people like for deployments and stuff and taskings. But within the reserve world, there's all sorts of contracts, and you can you can be an MP reservist or a RD or infantry. You can be any job in the reserves and apply for any contract. There's a few exclusions, but I don't really know them. Like as an MP, I, I took a driver job for three years, so I was doing a lot of VIP stuff. I've driven. Um, 
the Italian minister, I've driven the Norwegian minister, I've driven uh, different ambassadors and stuff. And then uh, one day, my master corporal asked me to go to National Defense and uh, and go see a lieutenant colonel. And I didn't know what it was for. I thought it was just another tasking. And I sat down at the lieutenant colonel's desk and she said, oh, thank you so much for applying for this job. You know, we've been needing a driver for a while. And I said, oh, of course, of course. I was still thinking it was like a, you know, a one-week job or a two-night job. And I ended up driving him for almost a year. Uh, and like uh, the, the little crew that, that he has there was great. Um, yeah, shout out to uh, Ashley Ashley Press and Zeta and uh, Spare Rib and Burn. Those are the, that was the little crew I had going. Um, and yeah, driving the minister was pretty pretty neat. Um, a lot of the stuff that I heard and whatever I can't talk about, and some of the people I drove I can't really talk about. But it was really cool and um, a good experience. Like it was long hours. Uh, meet him for seven in the morning, you know, uh, have his latte ready kind of thing, and whatever he needed for the day. Sometimes I'd have to get that ready. And then some nights I was home at like 11 and the next morning I had to be there at the same time with my shoes polished, my uniform pressed and the car clean. So, you know, there were some long days. Um, but yeah, but like, like you said, Trey, as, as a reservist there before, uh, I volunteered to go on tour, you know, which is a little different than you. You guys, you get told to go on tour when you're in the right force. So that was one thing. Uh, Ian, did you get told to no, I, I volunteered, actually. Um, I put my name forward for a couple as soon as I, I got there. Um, I was okay. scheduled a slot in Germany initially. And, uh, I mean, at a big unit like Halifax, generally they tap Halifax, Petawawa, the, uh, yeah. some of the big a lot more guys. So if you want to put your name forward and some guys kind of don't or, you know, have family issues or whatever else going on back home, then uh, if you got the qualifications, they'll kind of, you know, I wouldn't say take you over someone else, but – Make it known that you were uh, you're ready and willing to go. Yeah, ready and willing. Yeah. Well, from what I remember, Dre, you you didn't want to go, did you? No, actually, and that's why I asked you in there as well because uh, that's something that came up where they told me, yeah, thanks for uh, volunteering. I I kind of I wondered <laughs> to myself, have I been drinking too much? What did I sign? Well, we have I, a term. I don't, we I don't have remember a term, that. We have a term in the army. It's called voluntold, right? Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, all in all, I'm happy that uh, I did go. Um, obviously, I wouldn't have met you, Eric. I wouldn't have met uh, the re- the rest of the Fox <laughs> Rock. And you know, yeah. we I, I I wouldn't be here with all you guys talking about it today, right? So I'm glad I went. Um, it was probably the best experience um, I've I've ever done, um, good and bad, because yeah, like- it, it shapes you. Uh, you know. If, who you really are, right? So, I like to say it was some of my best and worst days, like some of my best days in my life and some of the worst. And then coming home, I I definitely had to set my own troubles. Uh, you know, getting back into society, kind of thing, getting back to normal. But um, you know, I'm there now, and, and yeah, I still uh, I still go to mental health appointments uh, pretty regularly. I think it's important. Uh, it's a nice way to kind of work through some of the stuff and just kind of keep a clear head. Um, you know, you said uh, normal. What's what's normal, Eric? Well, that's just it, right? Whatever your version of normal is, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know when you're uh, uh, like for me personally, I need my routine. I've come to realize that like a good healthy routine is important, and without it, I can't. I, I don't feel normal. I feel, uh, you know, 
kind of like something's off. So, mm-hmm. Dan, what do you what do you think about that? Like uh, these guys are talking about going overseas, saying that you know about normal. What's your definition of that? Yeah, I have to agree with Eric. Actually, you know, a routine is important. But are you kind of getting at that there's really no such thing as normal? Or what are you getting at? <laughs> I'm just trying to get your opinion on it because um, uh, even from uh, your point of view, right? And what you've gone through as yeah. well. Yeah, well, I'm just kind of staying silent because you guys are talking about tour and I, I never went on tour. So I don't really have an opinion when Was it comes that to that. Was that a choice or were you just didn't, didn't get your number pulled down uh, I just didn't get my number pulled. I was on the list and just didn't happen. Yeah. I uh, I would say that uh, it's interesting when you guys say this, this schedule for you guys. Like I have a, uh, a loose schedule myself, but um, I found that uh, for me specifically, not having a, a very set schedule helped me kind of break away from uh, my shackles of stuff which kind of well, seemed to come up in my head. I, I still gave myself the hard army times, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if I, if I set a timing for 12.15 and I missed it, the way I beat myself about it was fucking ridiculous. There's nobody timing me. Nobody cares other than yeah. me, right? So I had yeah. to kind of break away for that myself. I'm at a point in my life where I'm learning to slow down a bit. Like, you know, um, um, I've, been, I've been over at the girlfriends a lot and like I take these like two-minute showers and then I'm good to go, you know? And I kind of realized like, you know, we're, we're not in a rush. I can just kind of take my time and enjoy and like, you know, not, not necessarily just showers, but I mean, in life in general, like I, I kind of speak to do things and, you know, there's no, no, no real reason where we'll be shopping. And it's like, Oh, okay, I'll go get this. You go get that. You know, try to do everything as efficiently and as quick as possible. But then yeah. she's just like, well, why don't we just go together? Like chill out and let's just, you know, be in the, be in the present. Right. I, I, that's something I'm still working on. And I think that's definitely directly from the yep. enemy. I hear you, Eric. Yeah, I'm still in that mode, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, I haven't made it past that I mean, yet. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but I think I think the Army's really good at, at training people to be efficient. You know, it works better for some people than it does for others. Uh, but I think uh, – mm. I don't really want to get into it, actually. <laughs> That's all right. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah no worries. Kind of touch on what you guys said. I, I agree, too, I think, uh, with the definition of normal. I think that uh, everybody has their own. And I think another thing that people don't realize is that we each have our own ideology of what normal should be for us yeah. or for you or for anyone else. Honestly. And what I might think normal, you know, Casey might think is bloody crazy. Uh, figuratively speaking, but I think in the, in the essence, you know, I think we all agree that, you know, if we were drinking too much or having too many nightmares and not able to sleep like that stuff, not necessarily to make it normal, but just to alleviate that pressure on us. I think that's what we can all kind of share. And once you start having, you know, any issues or whatever else, right? Well, I, I would, yeah, I would good point. Drinking too much. I mean, uh, I've gone through a separation, uh, working on getting that uh, finished. And um, I mean, at one point, I was over four hundred pounds. Like I was definitely up there, and I was drinking a lot more than anyone knew. Like even more than my my wife probably knew at the time. And uh, I've lost a, at my at, I'm a little heavier now, but I've lost two hundred and five pounds since my heaviest. Um, oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. It's been a journey there, but uh, yeah, I think I think for a long time I didn't see it as a, an accomplishment. I just thought it's something I needed to do to get back to my normal, you know? And it's only now that I'm starting to slow down and try to appreciate the time that I have and the present that I'm in. Um, 
uh, yeah, I'm realizing like, yeah, it is a little bit of an accomplishment to lose that weight, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good thing. It's a good, it's a great thing that it hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But quitting drinking was a big one. Like, I don't drink at all anymore. And uh, some friends have a hard time with that, but that's kind of their problem, I think. You know? Yeah, and it's not it's not a it's not a bad thing to to have a drink or two here and there, but uh, yeah, obviously if you can get rid of it all together, I mean it's uh, all all the best to you, right? Uh, that's something that uh, everybody kind of deals with it differently, right? So yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm uh, um, I, I see I see the transition that you went through there, Eric, and uh, it's it's crazy uh, from. From, from doing some uh, military exercises or, you know, chain of command is telling us, well, Eric's too big to extract, so we're just going to leave him there, to, <laughs> man, you're, you're skinnier than I am now. So, like, geez, like, what, 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 uh, what's your secret, right? And uh, it could possibly be drinking, it could be, it could be stress, it could be a whole bunch of different stuff, right? So, well, I think but, my- yeah, it's good for you, man. I think my big, my big secret, like to lose the weight was just consistency. Like when I started, it wasn't, you know, we get so hard on ourselves and we feel like we got to go to the gym and I got to do this. I got to do this. And how many people do you know that say like, I got to get back to the gym? Well, maybe the gym's not for you. Maybe you want to do ballet. Maybe you want to go running. Maybe, you know, like you got to find what works for you. I did jujitsu for a long time and that really helped the community and just it's the full body exercise. But I, I think the big thing is, it's just, just consistency. Like some days I would do five push-ups and that was it. And then the next day I would, I would run 500 meters, you know, and that was it. Um, and I wouldn't be, it's, it's not being hard on yourself, you know, like get up and do those two push-ups and feel proud that you got up and did it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead guys. No. Yeah. Sorry guys. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, that's huge. Uh, working out and, just a little bit of a workout, even if you're walking, man, like it's, it definitely helps, right? I think so. Well, I, I certainly have the lens of a dancer, so. <laughs> oh, Christ. <That's> <laughs> I'm wearing tights right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> They're, like, I wear them for jiu-jitsu, but Sure, you wear them for whatever you want to, but it's, it's all yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I wear silk boxes because they fit nice. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, whatever gets you feel tonight, as long as you don't hurt anybody. Yeah. So, um, I, I have, yeah, man, but I, I have, um, sorry, go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to kind of riff off of what Eric was saying, you know. Um, just do the next right thing, right? Yeah. Like, if you don't do the 10 push ups that you plan to do, uh, at least you did exactly. the two, right? And you did, if you didn't do any today, then do them or yesterday, do them today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you, if you're heading, if you're in a ship and you're heading for a certain destination, all you got to do is like course correct a few degrees at a time, you know, and you're going to get to where you need to go. Definitely. You don't have to yeah, do it tacking, all at once. Tacking. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, I think learning to not be so hard on yourself, you know what, like if you want to eat a box of cookies, eat them, but just, you know, just make sure, like, if you're trying to get in shape and whatever, just make sure you get on the treadmill the next day. Or I have a, I have my bicycle set up in front of the TV and I'll throw on, I'll throw on the Xbox. And if I'm going to play Xbox, I'm going to be on the bike. And that's kind of how I do it. You know, I'm kind of wasting time, but at least I'm getting some cardio in. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, no judgment, but there's consequences for everything exactly. you do. And, and, right? and owning what you do, yeah. right? Like, you're going to eat cookies every day. Well, you're going to put on a little weight, but that's okay. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel ashamed. It's just where you're at. 
We sound we sound like a, we sound like a Jenny Craig commercial, guys. Hey, whatever, whatever works. Can, can you, can you yeah, say that without It could be it could be anything. <laughs> no, I get I get but it, like, guys. I get it. Even yeah, even with the like Eric, even with the drinking, right? It's like okay, well, you can drink every day and you can numb it out and yeah. not deal with your problems, but you're just pushing it a exactly. day away. So that's the consequence, yeah, exactly. right? You're self medicating and you're surviving, yeah. but you're just gonna push push the inevitable well, I away. Think, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think you touched on a good Dan uh, there. Mm-hmm. The uh, there comes a difference. I mean, obviously for everybody, you know, they always hit that uh, core survival mode, whatever that is. If it's you know alcohol, cannabis, drinking, fighting, work, or obsession, or whatever outlet it comes into, right? Um, I think once that happens, and once you kind of realize the gravity of what's going on to your surroundings. And you can get a grasp of some things you really want to hold on to, whether it's kids or family or friends or a new job or whatever else. Then I think you try to you got to you switch from that survival mode to like uh, not you know not normality, but just okay. Well, fuck, I gotta I gotta curb a few things to to bring stuff back into scale. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You got you got yeah. where you're surrounded. You got some. Something. Yeah, and have some meaning, something to pull you towards, exactly. or something to get whatever out. it is. And, and go towards, you know, it's yeah, from 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 thrive from striving to thriving, from uh, sorry, from uh, survival to to striving to yeah. thriving. You know, it's a it's not a linear process. Well, I, think, I think so many of us when we get home, we are just surviving because it's a culture shock again, and you're and you're not yes. the same person, right? And whether you've deployed or you've been on exercise, it's living in the army is is a whole different world, man. It's a microculture inside of a microculture. Like, you know, as an MP, which we, we yeah. all were, I believe. Casey, you too? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Sorry, this is the first time I'm talking yet. But, uh, yeah, as an MP, like, you know, there's a lot of guys in the army that don't like us. So we're, we're, we're our own culture, you know? You don't no. say, really? Yeah. yeah. Really? It's a lonely trade. No, oh, man. It's, I didn't hear uh, that. We got some special people. Let's just be honest. I, we, all, the, all the units do, but anyways. We won't go there. <laughs> I, think, I think I think every unit in the military is equally as amazing, and everybody's equally perfect in every way. Nobody's perfect. Including you know what? No, at the end of the world, at, at the end of the day, uh, I was going to say at the end of the world. Oh man! Um, at the end of the world, everyone's going to get you know get along. But um, no, honestly, at uh, at the end of the day, we're all we're all people. We all joined with a purpose, right? And the, yeah. we all did the aptitude test, we all right, to get in. Ass. Adrian, what's that? We all shit out our ass. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> inside joke. Yeah, One of these days we'll get to it. Um, so, yeah, we, so yeah. So I mean, um, I met I met Andre uh, in pre-deployment training in Petawawa in 2009, I believe, and I got thrown on the team kind of last minute. I didn't know I was going to be on the uh, the palmet with the boys, and uh, we were lucky. We had uh, Captain Chad Thane. Uh, he was lieutenant at the time. He was he was in charge of our crew, and thank God for him. Like we would run together and eat together, and it was to the point where we'd be showering together, and we'd pass the shampoo over the stalls, and people would be looking like, "What the fuck is going on here?" But you know, we just had a lot of good, healthy masculinity and love between the group, and uh, I think that's what kept us kept us the best group. I mean, all the other teams had infighting and different stuff, and we just had laughs and tears the whole time. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's interesting you say that because you know when when people hear Palmer, they go, "Oh man, I'm going to be stuck with like MPs, or I'm well, going to be stuck with artillery or infantry." You know what? We were the 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 best mixed bag of fun, really, because 
we had all these different personalities and um it, it worked i tell you what though trey there's not many there's not many of us left palmet guys in the army like you know uh, a lot of people don't realize there was the omelet and the palmet the omelet worked with the afghan army and the palmet with the afghan police and I mean, there's lots of times where we didn't get the funding or the tools or the the resupplies by donkeys that never showed up. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of guys from Palmet that had a really hard go when they got home, you know. And um, anyways, I don't want to get too much into it, but like, um, yeah, there's, yeah a I, guys, I, there's a lot of guys having a hard time out there that that, uh, that need to get help, I think. But anyway, that's a whole other story. You're definitely right, buddy. I, I can say like my my very first day home, I got tossed the keys. I was excited to drive back to Canada. And in Halifax, I was driving, and then the person I was uh, driving with, uh, I can't remember one of my buddies now, kind of slapped me. He's like, what the fuck did you just do? And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, it, it would turn to a red light, and I went up on the sidewalk, went around the traffic, and cut over a culvert on right. the other side of the street <laughs> without even thinking about it, just to get around everybody, and just was still talking about whatever sports. And then uh, just no, like, you know, three days back in Canada, four days ago, I was still driving people around. In Afghanistan, you know, and just no real click back right away. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, and um, yeah, that stuff can be troubling in uh, many, many ways and kind of funny because that was funny. Well, I, I remember one time at a Walmart, <laughs> I ended up kicking a cart and I realized only once I got to the parking lot, there was a kid in the cart. But it's uh, it's a lot like there was, was kind of, <laughs> that's, that's... I, I, I was stuck, <laughs> I was walking behind this lady and I, I didn't want to be there already and I was getting stressed out. And two of her kids were running around playing tag, and she was on the phone. I didn't really realize I was trying to pass, and I was just getting stressed, so I wasn't able to communicate to her that I was trying to get by. And the Walmart was just so busy, and I was looking one way, and one of her kids grabbed my cart and pulled it the other way, and I just kind of freaked out and I needed to get out, and her cart was out of the way. And I, when I say I kicked it, I like, I kicked it, but not as violently as you're picturing. And then, you know, it wasn't wasn't until I got in the parking lot that I realized like she had a kid and stuff in the cart, and you know that's. That's the stuff that a lot of guys don't want to talk about, right? It's embarrassing. You're in public. It's. Um, I had another time in a mall where um, a buddy came up behind me a few days after coming home, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and it didn't end well for him. It was a hospital ride, uh, and I think he was in a cast for a while. You know, it's not. Uh, this is stuff that nobody wants to talk about. I mean, we're, the mental health is getting better. The help that we're getting, but I still think there's a lot of work to be done, and I think uh, there's still a lot of stigma there. Like we talk about it, but there's still a lot of dinosaurs in the army that don't want to. They don't actually want people getting help, you know, or or, or we'll call you a coward, or we'll call you whatever. I've seen it myself. Or they play they, yeah, or they pay lip service to actually want to help yeah. you or giving you the resources you need. Yeah, mm-hmm. or they, uh, yeah. you yeah. know, or you're kind of the black sheep. Uh, because you're getting mental health, you know, you're kind of treated like uh, with kid gloves, or you're, or you, or you're talked down to, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, nobody's perfect, and I think uh, some people just don't know how to deal with it. But uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely, um, and that's that's something that uh, that's the reason why we did start this podcast, right? And and mm-hmm. to reach out um, for for others that not particularly want to go for that professional help just yet. Maybe want to listen into other uh, people's stories and um, others that have gone through it um, are going through it. And uh, some still kind of still trying to figure it out. Right. So and, and uh, for those, for those people out there who, who are scared to get help, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you my story in 2013 or 2011, I got a, 
I got uh, official diagnosis of PTSD through uh, mental health at the Montfort Hospital. And uh, I was in counseling. I was seeing a marriage counselor and a therapist and another therapist at the time. And, uh, you know, I was, I was jumping through the hoops. I wasn't fully taking my, my rehabilitation uh, properly. Like, I wasn't doing my part at first. And, uh, but once I started doing my part and, and doing what I needed to do to get better, like, I got better. And I was able to go back to work. And then I went right force. And now I'm a right force MP. I, you know, I'm at the language school in St. Jean here in Quebec. And, and yeah, so it's not, it's not a career ender. It doesn't have to be a career ender. You know, you, you can go get the help you need, maybe take some time off work for a bit or things will change. But, uh, you know, there is people that will help you if, if you ask the right questions. But you do have to advocate for yourself. And it is a frustrating process. And uh, you got to start it again sometimes. But it's worth getting the help if, if, if you have the strength to do it. That's uh, that, that's a great point to touch on, uh, Eric. Um, I think far too often people think that the second you come forward with, you know, anything outside of kind of a rolled ankle, uh, mental health or physical health, military, you could jeopardize your career. And that's a big, big fear for people is coming forward in the unknowns because there's a lot of uh, a lot of backyard lawyers about policies and procedures. And, you know, well, a lot of this happened to my buddy and this happened to my buddy kind of deal. But they're all just And I think in the end, people have to. Well, yeah, I think. Uh, I think in the end, you're, people just have to advocate for themselves, look after themselves. And everybody in the military at some point had to read some stupid giant book of bloody policies and procedures. <laughs> and they're, all, they're, all, they're all online now. And everybody can hit Google. I, I got a, I've got a broken foot. Will the military, Canadian military fire me? And you're going to find some CF policy 1013 saying you're given whatever. And the same thing goes for all of it, right? Yeah, that's true. And we're all vaguely, at least BMQ, you know, you got to read that fucking giant thing that I didn't read but <laughs> you're supposed to read it and get familiar with it and then understand you know that uh, the policies are there and a lot of people think that they're there to hurt you yeah. but if you read them and you understand them and you look at them they can benefit you in ways people don't even know because if you don't know it your corporal probably doesn't know it your master corporal doesn't know it you know it could just be something strange and the second you had the policy there is all the proof you need it's like having the general right beside you advocating for you here there here it is here's where it says you know I'm going to be okay and um, I think that, uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of heartache and a lot of misery and a lot of guys get so confused because and dealing with VAC and with military, it, there's so much ambiguity, so much one guy got fired, one guy was promoted kind of deal, you know. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it's hard, very, very hard to deal with. And you really have to kind of stay strong through it all, whichever way it goes. Well, I think one thing I ran into for the longest time is that, like, you know, I'd go to my appointments and I'd feel good on that day. Like, you know, I was getting, I was going to my appointment. Mm -hmm. I was going to go talk about mm -hmm. my stuff. And sometimes it was exhausting and, and you'd leave there and you'd, you'd need a nap or whatever. But like, you know, they wouldn't see it at your worst. And then at your worst, you were too embarrassed to talk about it kind of thing. And I think it's really important that you you keep note of that. And when you're going to get help, you talk about your worst days and your darkest days and you, and you let them know. Because they've heard it before. Oh, man. There's lots of people there. Yeah. Great, great point. I was actually told early on to keep a journal, you know, when I first got mm -hmm. diagnosed. And, uh, I carried on, I carried around a pocketbook with me and, uh, I started doing something called bullet journaling. You can uh, Google that. And, and it was a real lifesaver for me because I was able to organize because I, my memory started to yeah. go and, and whatnot. And, um, and I was really able to like take hold of my life and, and, uh, advocate for myself because I had it each day. I noted, you know, what I needed to do that day and, how I was feeling and what set me off. It's and, funny. 
It started to really, yeah, well, no. yeah, yeah. So I, I would really suggest it's funny that. You say that because I've, in the last couple of years, I've kind of been worried about my memory. And uh, my lovely girlfriend there, she bought me a, a nice daily journal that I've been using to take bullet form or bullet notes, like you're saying, and it's been helping a lot uh, just in the day to day. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. um, yeah, it's, for that kind of stuff, I wish I would have had it in the past. Uh, I wish I would have made those notes, uh, especially with um, anything that anything that happened to you while you're in the military. You you should make those notes. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And so even, we, even we have, afterwards, like um, static there. when when you're yeah when you're trying to make a claim with BAC, mm-hmm. yeah, like to have to have that in a in a notebook over you know x amount of months to show a pattern, yeah. man. That's huge. Well, yeah, hundred percent. I think the other thing with VAC you got to remember is like, you know, they see a bunch of people every day, so you know, sometimes they seem cold and uh, and um, yeah, can't think of the word, but just not interested. But like, you know, again, you got to advocate for yourself. You got to go. You got to tell them what you need because, um, yeah. Anyways, you got to. Sorry. There's um, there's something actually um, today that I mean Augustine and. Uh, Dan, no, I, uh, I managed to get a bunch of old photos pulled up from way back when QL3's <laughs> beginning, beginning of QL3, right. um, and in dark graduation right race ceremony. Way back in our back. young and, days. Uh, yeah, and I, I forgot. I, I, I honestly fucking forgot how happy all the time we all were. Yeah. I, ju- yeah. I, I just forgot, and I was like, we dealt with so much bullshit, but at the same time, we had so much camaraderie that it just turned into something funny. You know, yes. if we got yelled at, it was because we stayed out drinking. I remember one time we went to public, somebody with shaving cream, and I got shaving cream. My eyes went blind for about half a fucking day. Yeah. You know, that was somebody has a video that somewhere. I think it was uh, a friend of ours, Turcot, maybe. Oh, you but, know. Uh, yeah, well, we got to give a yeah. shout out to Val. Uh, Camille Oskis, K12. Yeah. 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 Hey, oh, man. yes, sir. Uh, he's... Mr. Valius, yeah. the, uh, the soft voice wonder of Lithuania. <laughs> Valius Kamilioskis. Hey, guys. <laughs> I just got to cue in on that one, especially because it's such a small world. As you can see, Dan, Ian, myself, we started together. Eric, I met, shit, like four years later, five years later? Right. Well, three years. Uh, anyways, three years later, and then... A couple of years after that, here he meets one of our classmates, Kamiliaskis, right? Shout out. Yeah. And I have a name, of course. <laughs> but he met with Eric, and it's such a small world, right? It's uh, Even my brother is out there, and he meets everybody that I already met at one yeah, point, yeah. and then vice versa, right? I met a guy in Afghanistan. The yeah. guy said, hey, man, are you uh, – uh, I'm, I'm – my brother's name's TB. He's like, T- you TB's little brother? He's like, man, like, of all places, I'm in Afghanistan. Like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's such a small I world. A, it's great. I had a similar dealing with a mass corporal Flanagan. He's also an MP. His brother is artillery, I believe. Um, they're both about five foot five, red hair, and built like two Irishmen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they, uh, I, I saw him overseas, the same thing. And I thought it was Master Corporal Flanagan. I damn near shit myself. I like screamed across the room, Flanagan, what are you, what are you doing? And I ran over to give him a guy a hug and turn around and recognize, obviously, it wasn't quite my Flanagan. Right. <laughs> but uh, the same thing, he kind of gave me a hug and he's like, ah, you think I'm your brother, my brother? And I was like, yeah. He's like, then he's like, you know, kind of loudly, fuck you, MP. 
And uh, <laughs> then he kind of hugged me. He's like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking with you, man. He's like, it's great to see you, you know, whatever, if you need anything kind of deal, just, you know, busting chops a little bit, but it's still a, a small world. It's still good camaraderie and good, uh, you know, good, uh, good to know. Absolutely. I appreciate those pictures, by the way. And uh, it definitely made us uh, look back in time and see how, uh, how much more hair I had compared to now. It's it's funny. I went the opposite. I actually shaved my head now instead of uh, grow it out like <laughs> I used to when I was in the military, just to spite the officer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it, it's uh, it, like I said. I, I genuinely forgot about how happy we all were all the time. Um, and not that I'm not happy now or every day with my daughter, but it's just it's different. A lot of uh, poor things have happened to myself and my friends. And we, uh, because we, you know, we're empathetic and we care, we, we bear the weight of not just our burdens, but of theirs and, you know, worry. And, you know, uh, somebody like uh, Dan, for example, I mean, he, uh, he promotes every single bit of health and well-being that has supported him. He promotes it and shares it and ensures it gets out there. And uh, I, I certainly respect that. I think that uh, more people should do that. And some people look at it like it's too much or, you know, I look at it as not enough, you know, yeah. if, yeah. If, Everything we talk about, you know, maybe each one of us have a hundred great things that helped us out. Maybe one person finds one thing from each of us and can take it or change it or adapt it, and maybe it'll help them. And I think that's the way everybody should look at. Sometimes getting better is almost looked at like I got better in a, almost maybe a secret, it seems, you know, um, and it shouldn't be. Nothing ever should be a secret about, you know, how to be rich or how to be happy. Everything should just be out well, there. Me and my girlfriend talk about well that said. a lot, actually, just like the shared knowledge, you know, like knowledge is power and the more you share with people the more like we can all kind of just help ourselves and help each other i think mm-hmm. Casey, yeah you hence, the, hence this Agreed. podcast i mean yeah, uh, yeah. i have an expression in the army knowledge is power you know mm-hmm. yeah joe <laughs> the more you know <laughs> anyway and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe, um, uh, hopefully it's not copyright or anything like that. <laughs> nah, nah. you can just plank it out yeah <laughs> Andre, no, do, you no. any, do you have any funny memories from tour you want to bring up or what? Uh, they all involve you, so I don't know if you want to express that. <laughs> how, um, how are we doing for time? We're we're just about to wrap it up. Okay. Um, th- I think I think the best I think the best question is to ask Eric because he's our special guest. Um, your most memorable thing about tour? Well, I have a, uh, I have a story that a lot of people find funny and. Uh, I think uh, for the army people listening, they'll get a kick out of it. All right, go and, for it. And I get to bring up some good. I get to bring up some good names. So uh, it was the summertime. I think it was July in uh, 2010. We moved to Panchway, which is for those of you know the dirty south of Afghanistan, as we call it, because it was just running and gunning for a lot of people for a long time. But when we were there, we got to see the uh, the, the like the fruition of a lot of people's work. You know, we got to see kids going to school and and uh, a lot of different things. Like, we're living in Massengar at that time. And anyways, to make a, lo- a long story a little bit shorter, uh, me and uh, Patrick Pigeon, we got pulled on to go to this op- operation. Now, he's uh, he's passed on, and, um, uh, you know, he was one of our brothers. But uh, all that to say, uh, we went on this op, and we had uh, 10 or 15 Afghan police with us. And then we were attached to the RCR battle group, and the idea of this operation was you're going to step off at Old Dark Stupid from this little fob called Fob Khyber that was run by the Afghan police, or sorry, the Afghan army. And we were going to search this town because there was a bunch of, like, uh, you know, people that weren't from Afghanistan, uh, 
causing trouble kind of thing, putting bombs in the road and shooting at all the patrols going by. And so you have to go down Route Brown out of Spear Run Gar to get to Fob Kyber. And Route Brown, like for those of you that were there, know that you don't go down Route Brown without getting shot at at least once. So, you know, you're kind of expecting it. And I was in the back of the Lab 3 and we had a T-Lab behind us. Now the T-Lab, the back door, which is like a drawbridge, it all of a sudden, that it gave gave out and the drawbridge was open and we were having a good laugh about it until you started hearing the pot shots firing and then all of a sudden you heard the RPG and it was like a you heard it it was like a but it never exploded it hit the back of my lab it hit the tire that I was sitting behind so had it exploded I wouldn't be here today but the long story short is my lab got hit by an RPG so when I got back from this operation I told you guys I don't know if you remember this Andre you might have been on HLT I do. I do remember that, yeah. I told you guys that I got hit in the chest and got thrown back a few feet, and I survived. And it was, we yeah. all had a good laugh. <laughs> and I had this cross that my neighbor had given me that was bent just from being in the gym all the time. And so, like, when people didn't believe it, I pulled the cross out. And so the story went around for a bit, and we had a good laugh. And then uh, a few weeks later, I was in the line in uh, Massagard getting some lunch, and a guy came up to me, and he said, Oh, are you that guy that got hit by the RPG? And I was about to say no. I was about to tell him, like, okay, what really happened is this. And I think it was you, Andre, or Opos, or, or I can't remember. You just said, oh, no, yeah, he got hit by the RPG, and he cracked his collarbone and bruised a rib, and, you know, like, the story went on kind of thing. And so we had forgotten about it. And about two months later, I was in CAF going on HLTA. For those of you that don't know, it's like a little vacation that we get, and the Army helps pay pay your way a little bit. And so I, Speak for yourself. <laughs> I, was in, <laughs> I was in CAF. And I get to share a room with one of my favorite people in the world is Sergeant Duffy. Uh, he's he's now retired, and uh, he's still an ace yep. inspiration guy. Out. And uh, yeah, shout out to, to Duff man. He's a he's a good human. And uh, anyways, and the, you know I'm pretty excited to see him. And I say, oh Duff, we need to share a meal together. And, and Duffy, being the guy he is, just doesn't crack. And he comes right up to me. And he's playing pokey chess, and he goes, "Next time you want to tell one of your bullshit stories, you let the chain of command know because." I guess he got a call because he was the head NP out there. He got a call from the major, and the major was not happy that one of his troops got hit by an RPG and didn't get a medal pinned <laughs> on his chest, you know? So Duffy, Duffy kind of goes, well, sir, do you not think if Eric uh, was hit by an RPG, he would have been in calf and you would have seen him in the hospital? And from what I understand, the major just hung up the phone quickly out of embarrassment. <laughs> and uh, the story's funny if we end it there, but if you fast forward another two years or a year or so, I was in uh, Montfort Hospital in Ottawa getting some uh, mental health, um, or waiting for a mental health appointment, and I was in the waiting room, and I was a grumpy, angry, fat guy at that time. Nothing wrong with being overweight, but anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm sitting there with this big, ugly beard, and uh, you know, just hating my life and hating myself, and uh, this guy keeps looking at me. So I finally put my magazine down, and, and um, I guess I could be kind of aggressive from time to time, and I just said to him, do you have a fucking problem? And, and I mean, <laughs> the poor guy's in the waiting room for a mental health appointment too, right? But I just wasn't – anyways, I wasn't thinking about that. So <laughs> I, I say, like, what's going on? And he says, well, were you in Afghanistan? And I go, yeah. And he goes, were you in Pantry? And I go, yeah. And now I'm kind of, like, you know, easing up on the guy because I can tell that we, you know – We've been to the same place and we probably yeah. sweat and, and shed blood in the same kind of sand kind of thing. Or how do they say right. it? Anyways, long story short, he goes, are you that guy that got hit by the RPG? <laughs> and so this is two years later after tour, somebody recognized me as the RPG guy. So 
I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good story. It's uh, it's <laughs> you, you're it's you're hilarious. a hero. You're a hero, Eric. You're a hero. <laughs> oh, I just want to thank you for your service, though, Dre. I appreciate that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's a different story, guys. We're not we're not playing that game tonight. That's all the time we have, guys. I really appreciate uh, everybody joining us tonight. And uh, a special shout-out here to Eric. Thanks for uh, sharing, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I hope I, I made sense. And uh, and uh, I hope to be on again. Yeah, I think you made dollars. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll go up to 56 <laughs> listeners after this one. There you go. <laughs> once yeah, again. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thanks again. And once again, uh, thanks a lot, Ian and uh, Dan, for uh, co-hosting this. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, next week. This has been uh, IQY6. Yeah, look me up on Instagram, Big Hearted Viking. I'm making a lot of bread lately, so it's kind of fun. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye.